Thank you. Why don't we just stay standing? You know me. I just like us to posture ourselves to receive. So close your eyes. Hands up. Someone's going to give you a gift. You're going to reach out and receive it. God wants to speak to you today. God wants to minister to the depths of your heart today. So in this moment, just say, God, I receive what you have for me. My heart is open. I'm ready to receive. I want to receive. Father, we thank you for your anointing and your blessing and the atmosphere of faith that has already been established here. God, but on a personal note, I receive what it is that you have for me. I expect to receive something from you. I expect and I anticipate to hear your voice today. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You may be seated. Anyone cheering for the Niners? Yes? Are we making it to the Super Bowl this year? We are? Oh, we are? Okay, awesome. So just remember that on Super Bowl Sunday, even if the 49ers are in there, you're coming to church first, right? And then you're going to the game. That was an overwhelming yes. Well, welcome. If you're here for the first time, my name is Ellie, and just a special welcome to everyone who is joining us online today. If you guys have any questions, email hello at exchangecc.com, and we will get back to you. Well, I'm going to get straight into my sermon so we can get you home before the next storm rolls in. Who's enjoying the rain? Oh, who's not enjoying the rain? Okay. Well, the title of my sermon today is Digging Wells. Everyone say, Digging Wells. And you might be thinking, hang on a minute. I've got water coming up from the bottom of my garage. I do not need to be thinking about finding water. If you're like, our house is coming in through the skylight. Anyone else? Coming through the chimney. I mean, water is coming from everywhere. And you're going to speak about digging wells. You will remember this message. It's because when Northern California got inundated with water, got inundated with rain. But here's why I want to talk about digging wells today. It's because I believe that this year, the year 2023, it's a year of preparation. Because God is about to move suddenly. Things are going to change suddenly in this next season. And that is why it's so important that as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, that we dig some deep wells so that I have something to draw on, so that there's a reservoir that I can draw on when things begin to change. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are present. We thank you, Lord, that you're good, you're great, and you're mighty. And Lord, I thank you that you have a word for every single one of us here today. God, speak to us. Oh, Holy Spirit, you have full permission. You have full permission to go into the recesses of our heart, things that we've kept hidden, the things that we've kept quiet. God, we give you permission to go there today. And help us, Lord God, to be a people that dig some deep wells, that we have a reservoir to draw from. In your name we pray. Amen. In your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah. Say Isaiah. Every now and again, you know, just have to put in the words that we pronounce differently. Isaiah 48, verse 3. Isaiah 48, 
verse 3. I foretold the former things long ago. My mouth announced them and made them known. And then suddenly I acted and they came to pass. There are things that you have been believing for that you know God spoke to you. Promises from a long time ago. And the season for suddenly is upon us. Do I hear an amen? amen? You have been waiting, you have been praying, you've been expecting for that suddenly moment. But let me tell you, those suddenly moments come for those of us who expect it, for those of us who are wanting it, for those of us who are desiring it, for those of us who are anticipating it. I remember the year that I met Mark. It was a great and glorious year. It was the year 2000. And I had been single for a long time. I'd been wanting to get married for a long time. Isaiah, the scripture resonated. It seemed like an eternity. Everyone was getting married, except for me. I used to cry myself to sleep most nights. Aww. You're not feeling sorry for me yet. These beautiful people in the church would come and go, Ellie, when are, when are you going to get a boyfriend? I'm like, I don't know, do you just go out shopping and do you just go, I'll have that one? I'm like, how do you get a boyfriend? I was single, alone. Aww. <laughs> and it was the end of January and we were sitting at a conference in our church and we're sitting at a round table and one of the pastors looked at me and he said, Ellie, this is the year you're going to meet your husband. And you know what? I took that. I held on to it. And sure enough, the ocean rolled in this surf cat a few months later. <laughs> long blonde hair. It was my husband. But you know what? God has spoken things. And they seem like it's been a long time. But part of the suddenly moment is the expectation. Part of the suddenly moment is that I believe it. Now, as we talk about suddenly moments, I want you to know you cannot control nor do we determine when the suddenly moment will be. That is why we dig wells in preparation for those moments. Let me say that again. I can't control it. I don't determine it. I know from scripture, he moves suddenly. I expect it, I anticipate it. And that's why I dig deeps, dig, dig deeps. You can dig some deeps if you want. But let's dig some deep wells in preparation for those moments. You'll see in Acts multiple times the suddenly moments. Peter is in prison and suddenly the chains break off. Suddenly the gates open. But if you read what was happening before the suddenly moment, they were praying. They were worshipping. Paul and Silas are in prison, in chains, bound and suddenly. But what was Paul doing before? He was praying. He was worshipping. We prepare for the suddenly moments. Now, wells are important. And the digging of a well is not just a natural thing, but it's a spiritual thing as well. They supply water, life-giving water. Not everyone lives in Northern California where you can go to the tap and turn it on and there's water. There are people who live in rural parts of Zimbabwe. I know Taps was telling me he was part of a team who, built, um, who dug some wells. They have to dig those wells so that they can have water. They're costly. They're time-consuming. But I tell you what, it's so worth it when you find water. How did we feel before the rain came? 
the drought, the cost of um, the water. But I tell you what, when you find water, it's so, so rewarding. I'm not going to read it, but if you want to jot down Genesis 26, 12 through 33. In that passage of scripture, you're going to read how Abraham dug and he defended his wells. Now, did he dig those wells with a shovel? No, metal wasn't invented yet. Did he have this great machinery that would just come in and dig? No. When you just read Abraham dug a well, I want you to imagine he has to use his hands. He has to use a rock, a stick. We're not talking hours of work. We're talking months. Some of those wells would have taken years to dig. Could you imagine, God, I have been laboring at this. Is there water underneath here? Am I going to find it? When you read Abraham dug a well, it was costly, it was time-consuming, but he did it because it was worth it. Something else Abraham did is he defended his wells. The enemy so wanted to come and just cover his wells with dirt because if he can cut off the supply of water, then what? Guess what? He can cause that community to diminish, but Abraham defended his wells. And then when Abraham died, all those wells were neglected and the enemy swept right on in. The Philistines just covered them with dirt and cut off communities from the life-giving supply of water until Isaac. Isaac comes along and guess what Isaac starts to do? He starts to redig. He starts to open up those wells again. Just like our physical wells need maintenance and a lot of maintenance, of focus and attention, so do our spiritual ones. And just like the Philistines, believe me, the enemy would love to fill up your well. He would love to get you so distracted that you neglect that well that you dug a few years ago. And when he has you distracted, when the storm comes, it means you don't have that reservoir to draw from. We need to dig and redig some of our wells. I'm going to share five disciplines which I believe are well-digging things that you and I need to have in our life. I know there's more than five. So don't come at me with, you didn't mention worship. I know you're going to do that. Don't come at with me, you didn't mention the Sabbath and all the ones that you love. Why did you pick those five, Ellie? Because that's what I felt the Lord put on my heart today. And the truth is I could spend an entire sermon on everyone. So this is just an overview. When I talk about disciplines, when I talk about digging wells, when I talk about spiritual disciplines, I want you to know they do not lead to salvation. The only way that we are saved is when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're not the playbook for God's approval. He doesn't love you more because you do these disciplines. We don't do it so I can seek approval and affirmation from man. Somehow I'll be far more important in the life of exchange because I do these things. No. Rather, they are necessary for the establishment of a strong, a lasting, and an unshakable faith. It provides a well that you and I can draw from in any season and in any time. There is no power in of themselves but I tell you what, they'll connect you to the source of the power. Can someone say amen? Yeah. All right. Number one, the well of fasting and praying. She had to go there straight up in January. The well of fasting and praying. Matthew 6, 16 says, when you fast. 
Not if, not maybe, not if it's feeling comfortable for you. Scripture says, when you fast. And obviously they go on to explain what to do because fasting was a spiritual discipline that the early disciples had down packed. They did this regularly and so they had to teach them on what to do. But I feel for us as a church in the, in the 21st century, we need to go back to the habit of fasting. We need to dig those wells again of fasting. Now the key about fasting is that I'm going to deny myself something that I love that I love. So if I go to you, hey, I'm giving up meat for this month, I'm gonna fast meat, that's not a sacrifice, it's an inconvenience, but it's not a sacrifice. I'm gonna give up social media this month. Inconvenient, not a sacrifice. When you fast, it is something that costs you. It is something that is of sacrificial nature for you. It's not just something that is inconvenient. That's why when we fast, we give up food. Because when I get hungry, what do I do? I go to God and I pray. I'm reminded daily of my need of Him. When I would normally eat, I go into my prayer closet and I pray. That is what fasting is. It's about sacrificing something in order for you to draw closer to God. So practically, if you have never fasted before, I want to encourage you, find something that will cost you. Find something that will be a sacrifice. And maybe do it for one day in January. In February, maybe you do it for two days. March, maybe three. Build on it. Dig that well. Go deeper and deeper into the spiritual discipline of prayer and fasting. Number two, the well of meditating and memorizing scripture. Many of us read scripture, but I feel like the well that we need to dig this year is that of meditating and memorizing scripture. Psalm 143 verse five, it says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and I consider what your hands have done. The well of meditating and fasting is a scriptural thing that you and I need to do. We need to meditate upon the word. Again, in Joshua 1.8, it says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What does it mean to meditate? It means to think. It means to ponder means to reflect, means to consider. The goal is not just to read scripture and go tick the box, I read, I'm done, I'm gonna move on. No, it is to meditate. It is to take the time. I have an image of a giraffe I would like you to show your attention to. This is a giraffe that I met when I was in Canberra in Australia. We went to the zoo and you can get up so close to these animals, it was amazing. And I'm sitting and I'm watching this maj majestic creature and he is eating. Have you ever seen a giraffe chew? They got this big old jaw, the big old mouth and it's just like moving and I was just mesmerized by this. And then I noticed him swallow. And I didn't get a video of it, but I want you to imagine, that's a long neck. And I could watch the food go all the way down his neck 
and come back up. And then I watch the jaw move as he starts to chew. When I think about meditating on scripture, I pray that you would think about this giraffe with a long neck, taking his time, enjoying every moment of whatever it was he was eating. We meditate on it over and over and over again. You're like, that's disgusting. (laughs) Yes, it is for a giraffe to re-chew some grass that he just ate. But if the image would stick in your mind, it would remind you that when you open up your Bible and you read the scripture, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pause. When I get to John 3.16, oh, I know this one, and I move on. What if God wants to bring something new from that very scripture? But we've told him, I know this one. I ate it before. And God's like, actually, I want you to eat it again. Amen? We need to feast on his word, not snack on his word. Dinner for us is around 5 or 6 p.m. And um, you know what happens at 5 o'clock? Everyone comes out of their rooms and they're hungry. Is it just in my household? And what do we do? We snack. We'll grab the chips, we'll grab the ice cream, we'll grab the Tim Tams that we've had these last few weeks. They're all gone now. We snack. And then what happens when dinner comes around? I'm not hungry. I'm full. Because I filled myself up with something that does not benefit my body. But if I would wait and feast on the meal, I would draw from the nutrients that is in the Word of God. When you and I are in a habit of snacking, I pick a verse here, I pick a verse there. I take scripture out of context because I don't know what the whole Bible says. It is time to feast on the Word of God, meditate on it, memorize it. Here's practically my advice for you for digging this well today. Is make a decision, I'm going to read the Bible from start to finish, in its entirety. You mean you want me to go through Leviticus? Yeah, I want you to go through Leviticus. Because maybe some of you raw red red meat eating people might see that it says Leviticus 17, life is in the blood. I'm just going to pop it out there, but... Never works with my family, so that was a terrible joke. Landed flat like it does with you guys. But I mean, read every part of the Bible. Read every single scripture. And here's my encouragement. Pick 20 verses that you're going to memorize this verse, this year. And then next year, pick another 20. In a few years, you have learned 100 scriptures. Why is that important? Because when the storms come, when the suddenly moments come, when the change comes, guess what you have? I have a well of scripture to draw from. I will bring it back to my remembrance as long as I have studied it, as long as I have committed it to memory. Dig those wells. Amen? Amen. Number three. We've just got 20 more to go. But (laughs) the well of solitude and silence. Oh, she's saying this because she's a parent. (laughs) The well of solitude and silence. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be, to be still. Psalm 46 verse 10, be, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 37 verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I could have read so many more scriptures. The Bible talks about be still, 
Be still. It is so important that you and I learn the discipline of being silent before our God, being quiet before our God. You have to be okay with your thoughts when you're spending time with Jesus. You have to learn what it is to discipline yourself to be quiet in order to hear from him. If in your quiet time with Jesus you do all the talking, he never has an opportunity to speak to you. Even Jesus withdrew from the crowds. The discipline of solitude and silence is so, so important, especially in the Bay Area, because we want to run at 100 miles per hour. We elevate busyness. The busier you are, the more effective you are. The busier you are, the cooler you are, the more important you are. We need to come back to what the Bible says and says, no, you be still, and I'm going to fight on your behalf. You be still, and you wait for me. If you've never heard God's voice, I promise you that if you would just quieten yourself a little bit, you would hear him speak to you. I remember the first time God had to silence me. I didn't have the discipline of silencing myself. We were living in Sydney and I walked out onto our balcony and I went to pray like I normally would and I was just overcome by his presence. He silenced me. But I tell you what, I learned to dig a well of what it means to be silent in his presence, what it means to be quiet in his presence, what it means to be alone in his presence. It's a great well, and I encourage you, dig this one. So practically, what do I do? Well, in your quiet time, you're obviously going to worship, you're obviously going to meditate on the word, you're going to pray. But take five minutes of just silence and catch your thoughts, they're going to run I need a cup of coffee, I need to go and get a tea. Oh, I need to catch those thoughts, discipline yourself, and the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. That's important. Amen? Number four, the well of forgiving and letting go of offenses. Oh, she had to go there. Yeah, she did. The well of forgiving, letting go of offenses. Let's turn to scripture. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. What am I meant to do? I'm meant to be kind and compassionate, not nice and tolerant. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave me. Mark 11:25. When when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, there is no clause in there against Anyone, what are you to do? Forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. You ready for another one? We could spend all morning just on the scriptures where God commands us to forgive and to let go. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, meaning if you are in church, bringing your tithe, bringing your worship, bringing your act of service. And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Church, it is no joke. We are to deal with unforgiveness and offenses in our heart. There is no room to carry things into 2023. You've got to let go of them. Now, I want you to remember, forgiveness 
is not an endorsement of their action. Forgiveness is a requirement of a believer. Because I choose to forgive you does not mean that I say what you did was okay. But I understand from scripture that if I do not forgive you, if I do not let go of that offense, then my Father in heaven cannot forgive me. And I know what a scumbag I am. And I know how much I need his forgiveness. I do not endorse you because I forgive you. I just understand it is a requirement of a believer because it says that my hope and my trust is not in that situation. It's not in you, but it is in God. When I forgive, I declare that I trust your future to God. And I declare that I trust my future to him. If you are holding on to things, if you're bitter about something, it is time to dig a well. And it's a costly well. It's a painful well. But I tell you what, when you start to see that water come up, that life-giving water of being set free because you let it go, it will change your life forever. Unforgiveness, bitterness, offense, it will destroy you. You will be stuck until you let it go. Our culture right now celebrates being offended. Oh my goodness, if you're offended, I'm going to slap this badge of honor. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to go, aren't you amazing? And if we give in to the culture of today, we will remain stuck. Isn't it funny? The enemy wants you to be stuck. He's highlighting offense and he's increasing its value so that you stay suck, stuck. Stay s stuck. Let's move on from that word right now. <laughs> we have to be counterculture. We don't get to live like the rest of the world lives because we know that Jesus saved us, because we know he has called us to a higher purpose. When I declare my truth at the expense of the truth, there is no freedom and there is no moving on. It is time to let my truth be in submission to the truth. And the truth is offenses will destroy you. Offenses will take you out. Don't celebrate an offended person. Don't celebrate the offense in your heart, but dig a deep well. Amen? Because the promise is too important for you to keep harboring that thing. So practically, what do I do? You have to be honest. You have to come to the point where you are in submission to the Holy Spirit. You take the time to listen and you say, God, am I carrying any unforgiveness? God, do I know of anyone who has something against me? I'm going to go and to be reconciled to that person. Now, if I've hurt you and I've offended you, which I probably have, but I don't know it, please don't come up to me after the service and say, hey, Ellie, I forgive you for the time that you did not say hello to me. <laughs> Ellie, I forgive you for the time that you didn't call me. You say, God, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to dig a deep well, and I'm going to put it where it belongs, at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to trust you that Ellie will learn. <laughs> Her future belongs to God. Amen? Number five. You all doing okay? Yeah. 
the well of being planted and engaged. Everyone say planted. 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 The well of being planted and engaged. Psalm 92 verse 13. Those who are what? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall do what? They shall flourish in the courts of our God. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. How we may encourage one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Is the day approaching? It's always approaching. All the more, let's not give up the gathering of the saints. Let's not despise this opportunity that we have to come together to encourage, to lift up, to bless, to pray over, to say, hey, I'm so pleased to see you today. You just never know what your word of encourage might do to someone's heart today. Those who are planted. Why do I want to talk about this one? Because I know the other four are hidden. Right, whether you choose to fast, meditate, memorize scripture, whether you choose to forgive, whether you choose to practice the discipline of solitude and silence, no one will see next week. What we will see is in two years' time when the storm came and it took you out. But it's not seen immediately. This one's seen immediately. Right, if you're not in church, it's kind of seen. See, I think COVID rearranged our calendars. We started putting other things on Sunday mornings because we could, right? I remember we would watch the online service at 9 a.m. and we'd head down to Walnut Creek. Did you know there's a farmer's market that happens in Walnut Creek on Sunday mornings and there's food trucks? But you know what? When we could gather again, I had to rearrange my schedule. I had to reprioritize the gathering of the saints. I had to reprioritize being in church on a Sunday morning. It's not easy it's raining, your roof might be leaking, the kids are crying, the kids are fighting, but I tell you what, it is worth it. Now, being planted means I'm meant to be here. Pastor Mark preached a phenomenal sermon in 2017, and I know this because I take notes. And he preached on the have to, the want to, and they're meant to. Does anyone remember that? When you're a child and your parents bring you to church, you have to be here. If you're leading worship, you have to be here. If you're preaching, you have to be here. And then there comes a time where I, I want to be here. I want to be in church. But what happens when I don't want to? What happens when I had a late night on Saturday night? What happens when it's a long weekend and I'd much rather go to Holy Tahoe than to be in church? <laughs> it shifts to meant to. I know that I'm meant to be here. Now, everyone in Walnut Creek is not meant to be at Exchange Community Church. But for those who are, let's plan ourselves. Let's dig a little deeper of a well that says, this is my home. This is where I'm going to see my kids grow up. You know, I believe in arranged marriages, and I'm happy to arrange any marriage that you would like. 
is an amazing young leader in our church. She's been with us since day one, but her family is not saved. And I remember when we planted exchange, her family would always do a Sunday morning brunch. And she came to the point where she had to say, I'm meant to be at exchange. So mom and dad, I'm going to get there a little later. To my grandma and to my uncles and my aunties, I'm going to get there, but I'm going to be late. Why? Because I'm prioritizing being in church. Years have gone by. And remember I said, this is the seen one. This is the one that your unchurched friends see and notice. How important is church to you? Are you there? Because this young lady prioritized coming to church, her family were here on Christmas Eve. Tell you what, her testimony of being planted in the house of the Lord has started to make a difference in her family's life. You are not doing these for me. You are doing them for you and for your family and for the generations to come. When Abraham dug those wells, he knew it would be a blessing for the generations to come. When you dig these wells, it will be a blessing for you and your family. And if you're feeling like, um, i got to do these so I please Ellie, then let me just remind you where I started. These disciplines do not lead to salvation. They are not the playbook to get God's approval. They are not to be done to be seen and noticed and liked and felt important in church. Rather, they are necessary for the establishment of a strong, lasting, and unshakable faith. Who wants a strong, lasting, unshakable faith? Whatever storm, whatever suddenly moments come here in the United States, I've dug some deep wells and I will not be rocked. I will not be moved. I will not compromise, but I will stand and I will declare that he is good only because I've dug some deep wells. Any season, any time, I have something to draw from. I'm going to invite the band to come up right now and I want to ask you this question. What does your spiritual reservoir look like right now? What do some of those wells in your life look like? If things had to change suddenly and not for the good, what would you have to draw from? If things were to change suddenly for the good, what would you have to draw from? I shared five with you today. And I want you just to take a moment, close your eyes, ask the Holy Spirit, are there any of those five that he is speaking to you about? Thank you, Lord. Give him permission. Are there any of those five wells that you're meant to dig or redig? And if there is, I'm going to invite you just to stand and I'm going to pray over you because there is an act, a physical act of saying, I respond in faith to this scripture. Thank you, Lord. We lift our hands to heaven. He knows your heart. He sees your heart.
He knows how hard some of these wells are for you to dig. But the digging of these wells is going to be worth it because the year of 2023 is a year of preparation because there are suddenly moments coming your way that were promised and spoken about a long time ago. And the word for the, of the Lord for you today is dig those wells in preparation for what he is about to do in and through your life, what he is about to do in the East Bay. So Father, for those standing, because they know that the well that they have to dig is being planted in the local church. Lord, give them the courage, the wisdom, the discernment that you would bring them to a place of meant to. It's not a deal between humans, but it's a decision they're making before you and their God. Lord, for those who know that they have to dig the well of forgiveness and letting go of offense, I speak courage into your heart right now. I speak boldness and I speak the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you would do it because you know that you are meant to. And I speak the freedom of heaven falling on your life as you let go. Those chains will be broken in the name of Jesus. For those who are digging the well of fasting and praying, Lord God, I pray that as they sacrifice, as they really sacrifice, you will draw them into a place of intimacy with you. Father, for those who are digging the well of meditating and memorizing scripture, God, I thank you for the deep well that they have to draw from, Lord God. And God, for those who are making the decision, God, to dig the well for solitude and silence, God, I thank you that they're going to hear your voice in a way that they never have before. Father, I thank you that you move on your people today. God, honor their commitment today. Thank you, Jesus.